Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today's message is part two in Pastor Nick Davies' Wednesday evening series on who is Jesus. This message was given on December 9th, 2020. Our Wednesday evening prayer services are a great way to spend time in God's Word and in prayer for one another. If you have any requests you would like us to pray for, we would encourage you to come out at 645 each Wednesday. Our other services are Sunday at 1030 a.m. and Sunday at 7 p.m. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. And when you do, you'll receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this would encourage you in your relationship with Christ. And if it does, we would love to connect with you in person sometime. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. In the series that we're currently in, we're doing a three-part series. Uh, we're focusing in on three instances in Scripture where Jesus' identity comes into question in some way. Last week, we discussed Pilate's questioning of Jesus. Pilate asked him things like, what did you do? Where are you from? And what is truth? Now, Jesus, throughout his life, answered these things. And if Pilate had paid attention, he would have known that Jesus was the truth and the life. He would have known what Jesus did. Through this study, we're seeking to answer, really only in part, who Jesus was and still is, as a way to be reminded of the truths about Jesus that shape our everyday lives, leading up to remembering on the 25th this year, His birth, celebrating our coming Savior, or our Savior that has already come. So let's quickly review before getting in today what we talked about last week. Our first thought was that first character of Jesus, part of his identity, is that he is our sinless redeemer. Believing that Jesus is our sinless redeemer is crucial to functioning in a way that accepts Jesus' payment for our sin on the cross as being final and full. Jesus is also the authoritative truth, which is our second point. Believing this is crucial to functioning in a way that is submissive to his teaching. If you don't believe that he is the authoritative truth, his words don't hold power in your heart. Jesus is also the healer of the physical and the spiritual. Believing this will allow you to live a life functioning out of hope rather than functioning out of despair because we have a God that is bigger and a God that sacrificed himself so that we might be redeemed spiritually. Jesus is also, and this was our fourth and last point last week, the Prince of Life. Believing this, that Jesus is the Prince of Life, is crucial to functioning in boldness of faith in the face of pushback and maybe fear that you are facing. Knowing that Jesus is the Prince of Life means you are secure no matter what life throws at you, whether it is you being called to be a martyr. We have no fear because to be absent here is to be present with him because he is the Prince of Life. Now that we've been reminded of these things, we're going to look at four more today. Today, we're going to be looking at an instance where Jesus himself asks a question about his identity. Last week, we looked at Pilate asking about Jesus' identity. And this week, we're looking at Jesus himself asking about his identity. 
Uh, Dave actually mentioned this to me last week, not knowing that that's where we would be headed. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 16, we'll read through this passage, and then we'll get into the four areas of Jesus' identity that make an impact on what we do on a daily basis, if we believe them or if we don't. Matthew 16, 13 through 17 says this. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom ye say that I, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Remember, as Jesus and his disciples traveled around preaching the gospel, the good news of himself, as Jesus performed miracles over and over again, the religious leaders of his day put into question frequently Jesus' character and identity. They questioned who he was. They questioned why he did what he did. So now Jesus turns to his disciples as they head towards even stronger refutation of Jesus' true identity where eventually he would come to Pilate. Eventually because there was such disbelief in the hearts of the religious leaders of the day, he would be put on a cross. That is how strongly they questioned his identity. Jesus turns that question to them. He says, you need, you need to figure it out. Who am I? So instead of saying, who am I to himself, he asks his disciples rather than um, excuse me. Notice that Jesus doesn't ask, who am I to himself? He's not trying to figure this out in this moment. He's not like, wow, am I the son of God? No, he, he knows who he is. He asks, who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? Unlike Jesus, we need affirmations of our self-worth and our identity many times. We need reminded of our identity in Christ on a daily basis. We need to wake up and read Scripture to be reminded that we are secure in Him because if not, this world is going to tell you that you're not. But Jesus isn't doing that here. He's not self-affirming Himself. He's not looking for His own identity. He's not looking inward to figure Himself out. He knows who He is. He knows what He can do. He knows He's the Son of God. His intention here is to pierce the hearts of His disciples. Further, His intention was to ask them about Himself for their sake, not for his own. He knew their answer. He knew their hearts. But he was doing this to pierce theirs so that they would know. Now Peter responds correctly, and Jesus praises him, and further gives glory to the Father for revealing it to him. So there's a couple things we can take away from this as we head into the four areas that we're going to be looking at tonight of Jesus' identity. The first thing is that the Father reveals himself to us. We see that explicitly in his word. And the second thing is we are still asked the question today, who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus still asks us through his word, through you, 
asking your neighbor who does not know Jesus as their Savior, who do you say that I am? And he asks us, asks us that continually in the face of who do others say Jesus is? Because there's a lot of people around you, I'm sure, that say that Jesus was nothing more than just a man. But you still have to give an account for yourself. Who do you say Jesus is? So tonight, as we get into the Word, where God the Father has chosen to explicitly reveal His Son to, the, to us, I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Ask yourself that question as we go through this tonight. Number one, Jesus is the Son of God. Peter said it tonight. Uh, he responded correctly in saying that. And I hope you have too. If not, there is hope, but there is also warning along with that. John 3.16, probably one of the most famous verses out there. Even um, many non-believers at least recognize the reference John 3.16. You even see it at football games. John 3.16, plain white sign with black writing. I've seen it. In this verse, though, we see an amazing declaration from Jesus himself that he is the Son of God. We see an incredible promise and an admonishment. Jesus was given to the world. Look with me real quick at John 3.16 to be reminded of this incredible verse. While Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's no doubt in my mind why that is one of the most famous verses, because it is certainly extremely encouraging that we can have everlasting life in Him, and we're going to get to everlasting life here in just a few moments. But Jesus, in this moment, reveals to us a promise that He Himself was given to this world. We're celebrating that Jesus came to earth as a baby this, this time of year. But that, that's not all. Jesus wasn't just brought down to earth. He was brought down to earth to be given up for us. Jesus was given as a gift to the world, to a world that hated God. This gift of Jesus came in finality 30-some years later in the form of a sacrifice to us. He Gave, God gave us Jesus, and he gave us Jesus so that Jesus could die in our place so that we might have salvation. And in doing so, he was able to make the promise to us that we would have everlasting life. Fleshed out a little bit more, we see this in John 8.24, where it says this, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye... Believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Jesus says you will die in your sins. This is the admonishment of John 3.16, pretty explicitly and clearly stated. That to believe is to have life, but to remain in unbelief is death. So when you're asked, who is Jesus? Another part of that answer is, is that Jesus is the sacrificial Son of God. Now, Jesus is the Son of God, but He is also God in the flesh. That's our second point. Turn with me to Luke 1, and we're going to look at verse 26 to 38. 
Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. <clears throat> it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast her mind in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. This is the beautiful declaration that Mary would soon be with not just a child, but the child that would come. Notice the title that this child, really with a capital C, child is Christ, throughout the passage, son of the highest, the heir to the throne of David, the eternal king, son of God. And in the next few verses, he is declared to be Lord by Elizabeth. In a similar passage to this, we see Jesus prophesied to be in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with just judgment and ju with justice from henceforth forever, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform this. We see these titles of Christ used throughout the New Testament. Titles ascribed to God also ascribed and given to Jesus. He not only declared these, some of these things himself, but others also declared of him eyewitness accounts watching that he truly was who he said he was. And in John 1.14 we see, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus truly was God in the flesh. John is one of those eyewitnesses to it. So when asked, who is Jesus? Another part of that answer is God in the flesh. Now number three, Jesus has the power to give eternal life. John 6, 32 through 40. You can turn over there. I'm going to kind of paraphrase this because I'm looking at the clock. My watch is 10 minutes slow, so apologize. Should have thought about that earlier. Um, John 6, 32 through 40. Jesus talks about being the bread of life 
in this passage. It says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. That is Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life. In verse 35, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, for he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Continue over in verse um, 40. It says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Throughout this passage, five times from verse 32 on, that's all I counted, um, five times Jesus talks about giving eternal life to those who believe in him. As we talked about last week, Jesus has the authority over life and death, over sickness and health, and so his authority over this area doesn't just stop at sickness and health. He also sustains life eternally through his sacrifice that he made upon the cross for you and for I. As I said, this passage goes on, and Jesus promises eternal life through himself four more times, and Peter declares it in verses 67 through 69 a fifth time. When Jesus declared this to the people that he was standing in front of, they scoffed. And then they questioned his identity. They said, isn't this just Joseph's son? Isn't this just Joseph's son? How, how could he say these things? How can he be the bread of life? He's just Joseph's son. But they misplaced his ident identity. They got it wrong. That's why for you and I to understand Jesus' identity and know what is true about him makes a difference in our lives. Because these people here misplaced Jesus' Jesus's identity. They got it wrong. They thought he was just Joseph's son. And because of that, they continued in unbelief. But for you and for I to know Jesus and really know him should lead us to salvation. The last thing is that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And we've already really touched on this, so I'm not going to unpack this much more. Matthew 16, 13 through 17, where we started out today. Remember, Jesus asked this himself. He knew the answer, so he turned to ask his followers, Who am I? Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It was just as important for them as it is for us to answer today, Who is Jesus? Because if not... The foundation that we build our theology upon would be on sand. It would be not on a good rocky ground, but an unstable ground. Peter calls Jesus the Christ, which is to say that Jesus is the anointed one, the one that would fulfill the promise of a coming Savior, such as Isaiah 7.14 where it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, I believe DJ mentioned that this past week in his sermon. And we see that fulfilled in Matthew 1, through 23. So when asked who is Jesus, another part of that answer is the Christ. As we finish up, I want to remind you that as we look at these characteristics, simply hearing them doesn't do us any good. Simply just reading them doesn't do us any good. For this time that we spend together and for your time that you spend reading God's word, we must listen and apply for it to be beneficial. For what we say about Jesus, who we know him to be, greatly impacts what we do, what we think, and what we speak. So let's look at a couple things real quick 
as we close that each of these characteristics or markers of Jesus' identity, how they make a difference. Jesus is the Son of God. If you really believe this, you will have salvation and you will have eternal life in Him. If you are submissive to Him, confess Him as your Savior. If you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you will live knowing your Savior was not just a man, that there was much more power behind His sacrifice. If you really don't believe this, you might and probably will lack salvation. That's a core doctrine, a foundational core doctrine and truth of Scripture. To deny Jesus as the Son of God denies the Word of God. So to answer the question of who is Jesus and to not have part of the answer be that he is the sacrificial Son of God leaves Jesus still waiting with arms wide open, waiting for you to truly believe in him. Second thing is that Jesus is the God, Jesus is God in the flesh. If you really believe this, you will know that your Savior was not able to be held by the grave. You will live knowing your Savior has power over all. And you will live knowing that because of this, the next truth that we're going to talk about, the, the power to give eternal life, holds water. If you really don't believe this, you will think Jesus was just a good teacher. You'll take what he said as suggestions. And you'll possibly still be waiting on a Savior that has already come and is still waiting with arms wide open. So to answer the question of who is Jesus and not have part of the answer be God in the flesh, it leaves you wanting more, a whole lot more. It leaves you needing a Savior. And it leaves you missing the true power of the one standing with arms wide open for you. The third thing is that Jesus has the power to give eternal life. If you really believe this, you will stand secure in the face of trial. If you really believe this, you will not fear death. and You will share the good news with loved ones knowing that he has the authority and power and has given the promise to give them eternal life. If you really don't believe that Jesus has the power to give eternal life, you're probably not going to care much about evangelism. You're probably not going to be very secure. and You might live in fear believing that tomorrow you might just enter the void. It'll all be done. There is nothing after this. To answer the question of who is Jesus and not have part of the answer be that he is the giver of eternal life to all who believe leaves you without hope and leaves you with an insecure view of tomorrow. And the last thing, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. If you really believe this, you will repent and you will believe. You will know that you have a mediator between yourself and the Father. And you will rest on the blood sacrifice he made for you, for your sins. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, you will still be waiting for a Savior. You won't have the security of salvation. And you might believe that you must work harder to attain it. Because there is no mediator between God and man for you. So to answer the question of who is Jesus, and not have part of the answer be, the Christ, it leaves you with hope only in yourself and no mediator between yourself and God. And that's no place any of us want to be. The Bible gives us the good news that Jesus did come. He did come, and he was all of these things. To leave these things out would not be much of a savior, but because he was who he said he was, he has the power and authority to die in our place and to say and accept 
that sacrifice and blood for your and I sins. So who you say and what you say about Jesus makes a big difference in our everyday lives. If we have it messed up, well, our lives aren't probably going to look like what he wants them to look like. So it's important for us to spend time, like we did tonight, reviewing, looking back over and remembering who it was that came, who it was that we're celebrating this time of year. He wasn't just a baby. He was our Savior. Many years after his birth, he would die in our place because he loved us that much. Let's close in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight. Lord God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, Lord God in the flesh, the one who gives us everlasting life through his sacrifice on the cross for us. Lord, from the very beginning, you had a plan. You set it into motion. And years and years later, a baby was born. Emmanuel, Lord, you with us, came down so that we might have life. Lord, how, how can I go on living as the world wants me to live and even as my flesh wants me to live, knowing you went to that great length to redeem me while I was a sinner? Lord God, you are good and gracious God. May we remember that through looking at your word and seeing who it was you sent to us. Lord, because Jesus, the Son of God, died in our place. How incredible. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we ask during this time tonight that all will be said and done for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share it with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.